0: Say what again? Say what again? I dare you! I double dare, dare you, motherfucker! Love, Love, Love you beautiful people! Welcome back to, Welcome back to The show I talk about whatever. This is a tasty burger. Tasty burger. Tasty burger. Tasty burger. These are dark times. There is no denying. Our world has perhaps faced no greater threat than it does today. But I say this to our citizenry. We, ever your servants, will continue to defend your liberty and repel the forces that seek to take it from you. Your ministry remains strong. Hello, all of you beautiful people out there! Welcome back to Whatever, the show where I talk about whatever. My name is Cameron, and finally, finally, we are at the end of the Harry Potter series. It's been it's been quite a roller coaster. We've had our ups and downs, or sideways, or left ways, but we are finally at the end. And I'm actually, hopefully, if this works out, I'm actually going to make this episode a. Well, I, w- I was going to say a two-parter, but I'm going to make this episode one of my longest ones Are probably done. I only say that because I know it's probably going to end up being one of the longest ones I've done. Because I'm not only talking about part one, but also part two. I'm going to include both parts in the same episode. So, yeah. We're going to strap yourselves in because we're getting ready for a ride. So, first of all, let's start with part one. Why not? You know? just you know part one part one seems like a good place to start <laughs> so deathly hollows part one came out november 19th 2010 still directed by david yates and at the box office it brought in 976.9 million dollars it made bank and well, well of course it did it it's the last it's the last book in the series so of course it did and I guess because of how much stuff was in the book, because the actual book, I actually... I remember buying the actual book, and I read the book. The book was... There was just so much story that they had to to split the movie into two parts. So, what is Deathly Hollows about? Let's go through the plot together, shall we? It's it's story time with Cameron, so... Here we go. If my bodily functions can relax for a minute <clears throat> in the summer of 1997 Rufus Scrimdour newly appointed minister for magic addresses the wizarding world the ministry finally admits that Lord Voldemort has returned and is a grave threat he concludes that the ministry is strong at the Dursley home Harry Potter watches as the Dursleys pack up their car Or <laughs> sorry at the Dursley home Harry Potter watches as the Dursleys pack up their car Harry does not join because he knows he must find and destroy the Horcruxes even without the aid from the Order of the Phoenix. Now, I'm going to pause there for a second because there's something I wanted to bring up. So, I already knew because I, I, when they showed this on Freeform, like on the channel Freeform, they actually... Just, I love when they show Harry Potter movies because they include deleted scenes and I think a lot of other channels who... a lot of other channels that it do now, but from what I remember of that scene Harry is seeing the Dursleys leave. he sees Vernon and Dudley outside and when he goes downstairs he sees Petunia standing in the middle of the now empty living room and she says I've lived in this house for 9 years or 20 years and suddenly in one night I have to move out and Harry says something along the lines of you know they'll they'll kill you if they find you like you have to leave and Petunia turns to Harry and says you don't think I know what they're capable of? You didn't just lose a mother that night in Godric's Hollow. I lost a sister. Basically, letting Harry know she fully she fully knows how much of a bastard Voldemort can be, and how evil and deadly the Death Eaters can be. And here's something that I actually saw for the first time the other day because it popped up in my and uh, my recommended videos on YouTube. There's actually more to that scene so after that harry steps outside the home while vernon and dudley are packing the car and dudley asks vernon why they still ha- why they have to go or why isn't harry coming with and vernon's like well because uh, he doesn't want to uh, right harry and harry's just like yep i'd just be a waste of space wouldn't i vernon and vernon kind of just doesn't say anything and tells dudley to get in the car dudley hesitates for a second and then he starts walking back towards Harry, and when he gets in front of Harry, he puts his hand out to shake Harry's hand and says, I don't think you're a waste of space, Harry. Like, it's just, it's, that's character growth. That's, I loved, I loved seeing that. And it shows that, like, obviously Dudley is kind of matured, he's grown up, and also the fact that he highly respects Harry, because if we think back to Order of the Phoenix, Harry saved his life from The Dementors. So, I'm sure Dudley owes a lot to Harry. But, let's get back to the story. Uh, Let's see, even without the aid of the Horde of the Phoenix. Similarly, Hermione Granger prepares herself for the perilous journey. She must hide herself by hexing her parents with Obliviate. Obliviate erases her parents' memories of herself, including her appearance in photographs. Ron Weasley also prepares himself for the journey as he is seen standing outside the burrow. Concurrently, I love that word, Severus Snape arrives at Malfoy Manor where Lord Voldemort is holding a meeting with his Death Eaters. Snape informs Voldemort of the date and time of Harry Potter's removal from 4 Perfect Drive. Or this scene, as I refer to it to my wife, the bad guy meeting. (laughs) Now... They don't cover this in uh, this synopsis. I'm getting this from Fandom.com, and they have they have their own wikis for stuff. But I figured I'd do with Fandom because it's probably it's written by people who are really big fans, instead of like Wikipedia being like, "Oh, here's the story." But uh, one thing they don't add in here that I wanted to add is during this meeting, uh, they're talking about, or of course, they're talking about Harry and Bellatrix. Says something about her she's like, I want to kill the boy. And Voldemort basically explains to Bellatrix, he's like, I love your enthusiasm, but, you know, I have to be the one to kill Harry. Well, <clears throat> ah, got a chip in my throat. <laughs> While discussing their plans... Voldemort declares to his Death Eaters that he alone must be the one to kill Harry, but that he requires another's wand to accomplish the deed, as his wand and Harry's are of the same core, so any fight involving them will end in stalemate. Lord Voldemort chooses Lucius Malfoy in punishment for his recent failures, also spitefully breaking the snakehead decoration off the wand after taking it. Voldemort then introduces his gathered Death Eaters to Charity Burbage, the former Muggle Studies professor at Hogwarts. He cruelly mocks her subject matter and expresses his contempt for her view that wizards and Muggles should coexist and interbreed. Charity pleads with Sephiroth Snape to save her, invoking their past friendship, but Snape is unable to do anything. Voldemort then murders Burbage on the spot and allows the snake Nagini to devour her. Now, there's one thing I really noticed with this scene that I really want to touch on. Uh, if you look at, like, how uh, Lucius acts, and in that same sense, uh, Narcissa and Draco, they all, like, they hollow that look. Like, they don't want to do this, but they know if they do anything to even make Voldemort think that they want to quit, that they would die. And there's something else that Lucius kind of says later that I'll touch on when we get there. But yeah, you can already tell that the Malfoys are probably are not so sure about this whole thing anymore. Uh, let's go. Days later, several members of the Order of the Phoenix arrive at the Dursleys to move Harry to the burrow. Alistair Moody informs Harry that since they cannot apparate or use Flu Network without alerting the Ministry of Magic... They must fly to the borough. The Order, including Ron, Hermione, and Fred and George Weasley, volunteer to take polyjuice Potion in order to disguise themselves as Harry, so as to confuse the Death Eaters during the fight. Now, all these people that take the potion include include, uh, Fleur de la Tour, uh, Fred and George Weasley, obviously. Uh, Yeah, Ron and Hermione. And who else is there is uh, Billy Weasley, actually. Uh, What's the guy, Kingsley? Kingsley Shacklebolt, that's the guy's name. Uh, obviously, Alistair Moody. And uh, Remus Lupin and his now wife, Tonks. It's, uh, so yeah, they go to Harry's house and they basically are like, yeah, you know, in order to do this, we got to get to the bureau. But since Harry's underage and has what they call the trace on him and uh, (laughs) I love how Moody explains what the trace is Just Harry's like what's the trace and Moody's just like if you sneeze they'll know who who wipes your nose so yeah a bunch of them take like Ron, Hermione Fred and George and uh Fleur take Polyjuice Potion to uh, turn into Harry to confuse the Death Eaters so okay where was I anyway prior to leaving with Hagrid aboard Sirius Black's motorbike Harry releases Hedwig to meet them at the borough. The seven potters are ambushed by Death Eaters during the fight to Devon. The flight to Devon, with the deaths of Mad Eye Moody and Hedwig taking place. I forgot Hedwig dies. It's Ah There's so much death in these two parts. Like it's just it's it's heartbreaking. Honestly. Mm, where was I? Voldemort duels with Harry, but Harry succeeds in overpowering him and Malfoy's wand, which is destroyed. So yeah, as they fly to Hagrid gets knocked out and uh, Harry's just kind of barely hanging on, but Voldemort flies up to them and they have a little mini duel and you see Harry's the uh, bolt from Harry's wand travel through Voldemort's bull and up the uh, up Lucius's wand that Voldemort has and basically destroying that wand. Uh where's he? After the order arrive at the borough, it is revealed that George's ear has been cursed off by Severus' Snape. Bill Weasley informs them that Mundungus Fletcher has fled upon seeing Voldemort. That night, awoken by visions of Voldemort through their connected minds, Harry attempts to leave, feeling guilty that people have been injured for him. Ron convinces Harry to stay and attend Bill and Fleur's wedding now. <laughs> there is uh Yeah, during the scene when Harry tries to leave, him and Ron have a back and forth, and he tries to tell Ron to, like, come with, and Ron's like, and leave Hermione behind, and one of the things he says is, we wouldn't last two days without her, and then he pauses, and he's like, don't tell her I said that, but yeah, Harry tries to leave because he's like, I don't want anybody else to die for me, which seems to be a theme with him over the last few movies that, like, he wants to go this alone, but everybody has to convince him that, like, he's not in this alone. He doesn't have to do it alone. Oh, God, excuse me. The next morning, Rufus Scrimgeour arrives and meets with Harry, Ron, and Hermione, revealing that Albus Dumbledore has left them several possessions in his will. To Ron, he has left his Deluminator, a device used to remove and collect light. Dumbledore has left Hermione his copy of *The Tales of Beedle the Bard*, a children's storybook. To Harry, he has left the Golden Snitch that Harry had caught in his first Quidditch match. It is, uh, it was also intended for the Sword of Gryffindor to be left in Harry's possession, but it is missing and not eligible to give away. Yes, because uh, Rufus, her, tells them that like, even though Dumbledore wanted you to have the Sword of Gryffindor, it wasn't, it's not his to give away. Hermione's like, well, it came to him when he needed it, so it's his. And Rufus is like, well, that may be, but even if he wanted to, the sword is missing. Let's see. At the wedding of William Weasley and Fleur de Lector, Harry meets Luna Lovegood and her father, whom Harry notices is, what is bearing a strange symbol around his neck. He later talks with Elpheus Doge, an elderly wizard and friend of Dumbledore's who wrote an obituary in the Daily Prophet about him. They are joined by Ron's auntie Muriel, who suggests that Harry barely knew Dumbledore at all, informing him of several unknown facts about Dumbledore, including that he had a brother, Aberforth Dumbledore. He also hears of Bathilda Bagshot, a celebrated wizard historian who lives at Godric's Hollow. The wedding is interrupted by Kingsley Shacklebolt's Patronus, which warns the Merrymakers that the Minister of Magic, for Scrimgeour, has been killed. The Ministry has fallen and the Death Eaters are approaching. Almost immediately the Death Eaters arrive and set the tent aflame. In the confusion Harry seeks Ginny but Lupin orders him to leave. Harry meets with Ron and Hermione and the trio apparate away landing in Sh- uh, Shaftsbury Avenue in Muggle London. Uh, how am I doing on time? 13 minutes. Okay, good. I'm trying to watch the time as I talk about this because... I don't want to be in the middle of a sentence and all of a sudden it cut out on me. After changing, they go to a small coffee shop to discuss their plans. When they are ambushed by Death Eaters again, disguised as city workers, the trio subdue Antonin Dolohov and Thorfinn Raul in a brief but violent skirmish and proceed to wipe their memories after Ron suggests killing them for what they did to Moody. The trio go into hiding at 12 Grimmel Place, there they discover the identity of R.A.B., Mysterious, the mysterious person who has allegedly stolen the real Locket of Slytherin that Voldemort has turned into a Horcrux. As it turns out, R.A.B. is actually Sirius Black's little brother, Regulus Ar- Arcturus Black. Creature, the Black's house elf, tells Harry, R- Harry, Hermione, and Ron that the real Locket has been in the house, but that it has been stolen by Mundungus Fletcher. Harry orders Creature to find Mundungus and bring him back. As a Ministry of Magic, many things are changing. Pious Thick- Thicknesse, who was at the, uh, the, uh, bad guy meeting, as I like to call it, has replaced the dead strimdoor in the position of Minister for Magic. He decreed that all witches and wizards must be strained to determine their blood status, ignoring the fact that Voldemort is a mudblood. Uh, similarly, um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, let's skip forward. They put something in parentheses, but it doesn't matter. Harry has also become a most wanted, labeled undesirable number one. Meanwhile, Harry has a vision of Voldemort finding Gregorovich, a foreign wand maker whom he interrogates before killing. Creature and Dobby return with Madungas, who reveals that he has given the logger to Dolores Umbridge. And that, that I'm sure pissed a lot of people off when this movie first came out. Because you grow to hate uh, Umbridge so much in Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, so much in Order of the Phoenix. And then she comes back for Deathly Hallows Part 1. Basically as, you know, someone in a a lot of power at the Ministry of Magic. Well, I think she already was, but... Yeah. Anyway. Let's move on. There's a lot of story here. The trio use Polyjuice Potion to take on the appearance of three ministry officials and infiltrate the ministry to retrieve the locket. The trio are separated as Ron must take care of Mary Cattermole, Reginald Cattermole's, Cattermole's wife, as well as an angry Yaxley. Harry goes to Umbridge's office to search for the locket, and Hermione follows Umbridge to the courtroom where she is holding unfair trials for motorboards. In his search... Harry only finds the files in Umbridge's desk detailing the surveillance of his friends and their relatives. He later joins Ron, and they go down to the courtroom, where a large group of Dementors are being used to steer the motorborns on trial into submission, and Umbridge is interrogating Mary. Harry, in a fit of rage, stuns Umbridge. Which, that was a real badass moment, because they're going through this trial like normal, and Harry slowly walks up to Umbridge, or closer to Umbridge with his look on his face, and then he draws his wand and. Umbridge is like what on earth are you doing Abbott? because you know the guy he Lord like is Albert and as Harry's change of bag he just hear him say you're lying Dolores and one mustn't tell lies and then just boom bam get the locket boom <clears throat> where uh, he quickly retrieves the locket and the trio successfully escape the ministry after several wizards notice Harry who has been who has been deemed an undesirable <clears throat> Arriving in the forest of Dean, Harry and Hermione discover that Ron has been splinched, and while Hermione tends to his wounds, she tells Harry that they cannot return to Grimal Place, as he actually has been revealed has been revealed to it. So splinched basically means that like if uh Well, because when they were trying to escape, uh they were originally trying to go to one place, but then because they were trying to go back to Grimmel Place but they figured uh, Yaxley was going to find him there so at the last second they changed something so I guess in the middle of this Ron kind of got caught up and everything and when they land Ron's arm is just all bloody and whatnot after Ron is healed Hermione casts enchantments around the tent they have set up to conceal them from the Death Eaters who are now looking for Harry the trio tried to destroy the locket, but to no avail They decide that they will search the countryside for more horcruxes while taking turns wearing the locket. Soon, they realize that while wearing the locket, the wearer feels more angry, suspicious, fearful, and overall bad-tempered than normal. Ron is affected most particularly, and while wearing the locket, he bitterly notices Harry and Hermione spending a lot of time together. They begin to listlessly wander the countryside, and one day while Harry is pondering the snitch, Dumbledore left him, Hermione tells him that snitches have flesh memories. The snitch can't remember which person caught it, and it will only open to that person. One night, Harry comes to realize why Dumbledore has left Harry Godric Gryffindor's sword. She tells him that the sword is goblin-made, meaning that it does not retain rust or scratches, but it does imbibe any and all things that will make it stronger. As Harry has killed Salazar Slytherin's basilisk in his second year with the sword, the sword is now impregnated with the, with basilisk venom, one of the few rare substances that can destroy a horcrux. Yeah, so Hermione comes to a the realization, they're like, oh, there's a reason you got the sword. The sword, you know, can kill. The sword can destroy the horcrux because you used it to kill the basilisk, you know, from Chamber of Secrets. Uh, th- this, re- this revelation causes Ron, who is wearing the locket, to snap. As the locket has increased Ron's increasing worry for his family, and the fact that they still they have still not found another Horcrux. He lashes out at Harry and abandons the two in the wilderness after Hermione is forced to paterry over Ron. And that's basically because Ron is being a bit of being a bit of an ass. <laughs> Which it's a very intense argument between Harry and Ron. Like, because Ron tries to explain to Harry, like, you know, I listen because I don't want to hear those. Because I don't want to hear that my sister or anybody in my family is dead and and Harry's like you don't know you don't think I know how it feels and Ron's like no you don't know how it feels your parents are dead and I'm like god damn Ron But then, calm down <laughs> um anyway where was that Hermione is heartbroken by Ron's sudden sudden departure and Harry attempts to cheer her up by dancing together and smiling the next day Harry ponders about the snitch he presses it he presses his lips to it and writing appears I open at the close he shows it to Hermione, but they cannot make anything of the inscription, nor can they make anything of the weird symbol Hermione found while perusing her copy of the Tales of Beedle the Bard. Later, Harry proposes that they visit Godric's Hollow. Hermione agrees because she believes that the Sword of Gryffindor may be hidden there, in the home of Bethelda de They depart for Godric's Hollow, and Hermione surmises that it is Christmas Eve. They pass into the graveyard, where Hermione discovers the same symbol upon a grave labeled Ednautus Perveril, she looks up to find Harry standing in front of his parents' grave. She confronts him and conjures a wreath of flowers for the grave. The two then notice that they are being watched by someone who appears to be Bethilda Bagshot. She beckons them inside her home, where Hermione finds a copy of Rita Skeeter's book titled The Life and Lies of Albus Dumbledore. As Harry proceeds to communicate with Bethilda, Bethilda responds in parcel and does not directly answer Harry's questions. Such as when Harry picked up a familiar picture in Bethilda's home, later it is revealed that Nidini Nadini has been disguised as Bethilda and attacks Harry. Hermione saves Harry, and the two narrowly escape back into the forest of Dean, where Harry learns his wand is broken. Harry awa- awakens in the forest. Hermione tells him that they are in the Forest of Dean where she was once visited where she won- has once visited with her parents musing that they will not recognize her anymore and vainly proposing that she and Harry turn away from their destinies to grow old together in hiding. She also reveals to Harry that his wand has been destroyed in the skirmish and that the man in the picture in Bagshot's home is, was Dillard Grindelwald, a dark wizard who was defeated in 1945 and a brief friend of Albus Dumbledore. That night, Harry sits outside on guard when a silver doe Patronus lures him. He follows it to a small frozen pond Where it disappears. Investigating further, Harry discovers the sword of Gryffindor is at the bottom of the pond. He strips down and dives in to retrieve it without removing the locket. Sensing the sword, the locket tries to strangle Harry to prevent its destruction. However, Harry is saved by Ron, who also retrieves the sword from the pool. Harry proceeds to open the locket, which in turn liberates a dark force which attacks and isolates Harry then trying to defend itself by producing illusions of Ron's fears and anguishes, including one in which Harry and Hermione show, show pure and complete despise towards him before engaging in a passionate kiss. Although reluctant and emotionally affected by the luck, illusions, Ron ultimately destroys it with the, with use of the sword. They return to the tent, where Hermione grows increasingly angry at Ron for having the audacity to return. Ron reveals that Dumbledore's deluminator not only collects and removes light sources, but it also guided him back to Harry and Hermione, conveniently when Harry was being strangled by the locket. Soon, Hermione proposes that they visit Xenophilius Lovegood, saying that he could explain the mysterious symbol, which has again cropped up in the life and lies of Atlas Dumbledore. They visit the Lovegood house, where Mr. Lovegood reveals that it is the symbol of the Deathly Hallows, Xenophilius prods them on to read the tale of the three brothers and they learned of the three Pervero brothers he informs them of the Deathly hollows which are revealed to be three legendary items featured in the story the Elder One, the most powerful one in existence the Resurrection Stone a stone that could bring back the dead and the Cloak of Invisibility which conceals the wearer from sight whoever wields all three items will become the Master of Death Xenophilius then intentionally triggers the taboo on Voldemort's name as ransom for his daughter Luna Lovegood whom the Death Eaters have captured the trio successfully escape back to the forest where a group of snatchers are waiting to capture him. Hermione casts a stinging jinx on Harry after which he envisions Lord Voldemort interrogating Grindelwald N- uh, and Nurmengard. Grindelwald tells him that the Elder Wand lies with Dumbledore and Voldemort leaves. They are captured and taken to Malfoy Manor uh, How am I doing on time? I got five minutes. <laughs> five minutes till I, so I'll, until I finish part one. <clears throat> At Malfoy Manor, Draco Malfoy is asked to identify the real Harry Potter, but he hesitates in doing so. Bellatrix spots the Sword of Gryffindor. She orders Harry and Ron imprisoned in the cellar, where Luna Lovegood, the wandmaker Derek Ollivander, and Griphook the goblin are also being are also being held captive. Bellatrix tortures Hermione on how they got the sword. Which she believed to be in her vault at Gringotts. Now, I want to add a little fun fact about that scene. Uh, when they were doing that scene, because you know how intense that scene is, Bellatrix is just really psycho, and Hermione's just screaming her head off. Uh, when they were filming that scene, like after they after they like said cut, uh, Helena Bottom Carter, who plays Bellatrix, uh, went up to Emma Watson, who of course is Hermione. Hel- uh, Helena Bottom Carter went up to Emma Watson and. Just you know reassured her and asked if she was okay just because emma watson was just so good in that scene like she she brought it she like she brought 110 percent to that like i yeah helena bottom car was like legitly worried about her uh anyway harry or harry <laughs> using the two-way mirror serious black had given him sees another man's face staring back at him He begs the man in the mirror for help, and Dobby immediately apparates to save them. At Harry's request, Dobby disapparates with Luna and Elevander to Shell Cottage, and arrives back to free Harry and Ron. Several duels duels ensue between Narcissa, Ron, Harry, and Draco, but Dobby is able to cause a distraction in which Harry disarms Draco and Ron retrieves Hermione. However, Belladrix kills Dobby as the prisoners apparate to Shell Cottage, Ah this this is what I hate about hated about doing this part like I, obviously I love Harry Potter and I love doing this podcast but I hated the fact that I had to see Dobby die again like oh, only because he was such a badass in this uh, Voldemort. yeah and if that and if that wasn't a big enough like fuck you at the end of the movie, here's how the movie ends. Voldemort breaks into Dumbledore's tomb and successfully retrieves the Elder Wand, unleashing a thunderbolt into the sky. That's how the movie ends. Basically, the movie ends is like, hey, we killed, we killed Dobby, and also Voldemort's gonna steal Dumbledore's wand off of his dead body. Like it's just ah, uh, like so many, so many emotions, so many emotions. Uh let's go over some. I'm just going to go over some quick uh differences from the book before I end this this part and move on to part two. sorry. Uh is there anything worth talking about? Uh not much worth talking about. Uh let's go back up. I'm going to uh, where's my I? I was like where's my thing? There's my thing. No. Deleted scenes. Okay. So, some deleted scenes from the movie are Ron discusses about radios with Mr. Weasley in the Burrow Shed. Harry and Opportunia, as they leave for a drive, which I talked about. Harry and Dudley shake hands, which I also talked about. Death Eaters search the deserted Granger's house, which, that I haven't seen. I would have to, I would have to re-look that up, but apparently there's a deleted scene where the Death Eaters search through uh, Hermione's house. In the, ministry, in the Ministry of Magic Lifts, Harry tells Arthur he's being tracked. So there's a deleted scene when uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are under the Polyjuice Potion, so they're in the skies. Uh, he sees Arthur Weasley show up and he basically, he's like, oh, it's it's Arthur. Like, like Mr. Weasley, it's me, Harry. And basically he tells Arthur that he's being tracked. Uh, the trio discuss how to destroy the Locket, which I think they pretty much kept in anyway. I guess there was a deleted scene of them talking more about it. Harry and Ron try to catch a rabbit in the forest, which I guess it's they didn't want to keep it in for like time's sake. Uh, Ron teaches Hermione how to skip stones. I think I've seen that one and it's actually kind of a sweet scene. But uh, yeah, there's that. Um, So I'm running out of time with this. Join me for the next part. That ran a little close on time, but welcome back after this break. I don't know if I put an ad before this or if I put a quote before this, but anyway, now we're on to the second part of this episode where I talk about Deathly Hollows Part 2. And I wasn't gonna do my opinion on Part 1, but I guess I'll do that when this is all finished. So, Deathly Hollows Part 2 came out November 11th, 2011, so pretty much a year later. And let's go through the plot of part two. After the events of the previous film, part two begins with Lord Voldemort stealing the Elder Wand from Elvis Dumbledore's tomb and shooting a large bolt of lightning into the sky. It then cuts to Hogwarts, which is no longer a safe place to stay, but a shadowy concentration camp surrounded by Dementors with the students being marched through the entrance courtyard. Severus, or entrance courtyard, Severus Snape, now Headmaster, Stands in the top of the quad battlements and watches the students with a blank expression. That's pretty much, that was pretty much Alan Rickman, just in general. At Shell Cottage, Harry Potter sits in front of Dobby's grave after the latter's funeral. Gazing into the two-way mirror, he asks Griphook why Bellatrix Lestrange thinks the sword of Gryffindor is in her vault at Green Dot's. Griphook reveals that there is a fake sword in the vault, something he spotted, but which Bellatrix is not aware of. And Harry suspects there is a Horcrux in the vault due to Bellatrix's violent reaction upon suspecting they have been inside. Sorry about that. I bumped the mic. Harry, Ron, and Hermione strike a deal with Griphook: the or er, the goblin will get the goblin will get them to Bellatrix's vault to find the Horcrux in exchange for the sword of Gryffindor, a bargain to which the trio reluctantly agree, despite the fact that this fact it will leave them without a way to destroy the remaining horcruxes harry then questions garrick olivander who examines and identifies the stolen wands of bellachurch lestrange and draco malfoy he cautions harry about bellachurch's wand as it is unyielding and advises him to treat it carefully with draco's wand however olivander states that harry won it from draco and its allegiance changed to him harry then asks him if he knows about the deathly hollows and Ollivander claims he does not think they exist Although, Harry knows he has told Voldemort about the Elder One through his connection. After Harry tells Ollivander that Voldemort has acquired the Elder One, the latter warns Harry that he really doesn't stand a chance in defeating Voldemort if what, he, if what he has heard is true. So yeah, Ollivander's like, I don't know if you'll defeat him. Anyway, bye! <laughs> With Harry and Griphook under the invisibility cloak, Hermione disguised as Bellatrix and Ron as a foreign wizard with bushy facial hair. The trio and Griphook apparate to Gringotts. During the first phase of the mission, Harry and Ron are forced to use the Imperious Curse on Bogrod to cover up Hermione's unsuccessful pr- impersonation of Bellatrix. They manage to get into the vault despite their disguises being removed by the thief's downfall and find Hilda Hufflepuff's Cup, the Horcrux, but set off the Jemino Curse causing everything they touch to multiply exponentially. Griphoot takes the sword from them after they get the cup, saying that he never said he would help them get out, but only in. He flees the vault and calls security. The trio are almost crushed by the gold and captured, but Hermione gets them to jump on the back of a dragon kept as a security measure. Setting the dragon free, it wreaks havoc as it kills several goblins, including Bogrod, who is still under the control of Ron's Imperius curse. The dragon crashes through the roof and flies off with the trio on its back. After jumping off the dragon into a lake, Harry has a vision of Voldemort furiously killing Griphook and many other Gringotts employees and personnel at Malfoy Manor for allowing his Horcarts to get stolen. Choosing the Teep Nagini by his side, he summons his followers and orders them to invade Hogwarts to ensure the Horcrux he has hidden there is still safe. Having sensed Voldemort thinking of his Horcarts, and Hogwarts through their connection, Harry tells Ron and Hermione that they have to go there to destroy it before Voldemort can get to it. Adding that Voldemort seems to be getting more fragile and afraid with each Horcrux destroyed, they apparate to Hogsmeade but immediately trigger catarrolling alarms set up by Death Eaters who are waiting for Harry. The trio are almost captured, but Aberf- Aberforth Dumbledore gets them gets them safely into his home and berates them for coming to the village. Harry discovers that it was Aberforth who has been watching them through the mirror, the mirror shard, and the one who sent Dobby to rescue them after seeing the two-way mirror hung up on the wall. Aberforth provides them with food and advises them to give up on their mission, go into hiding, and save themselves. Harry said that he trusts Albus Dumbledore's judgment that the task has to be seen through no matter what, but Aberforth insists that Albus had left him a suicide mission and it was hopeless. After Harry insists on finishing what he has started, Aberforth summons Neville Lombottom through a secret passage behind Ariana's portrait to bring them into Hogwarts. Bruised and beaten by the death eaters of the staff, Neville and most of the students have been hiding in the room of requirement all year. They welcome Harry in with tremendous applause and jump at the idea of helping Harry finish Voldemort, but Harry still doesn't know what the remaining horcruxes look like or where they are. After saying that one of them may be connected to Ravenclaw, Luna Lovegood suggests that Rowena Ravenclaw's diadem might be the one, but Cho Chang notes that no one alive today has seen it. Ginny Weasley comes forward after gazing at Harry for a moment. She tells everyone that Snape is now aware of Harry's break and wanted everyone in the Great Hall. In the hall, Snape orders anyone who may hold information regarding Harry's location to tell him immediately or face punishment. Harry then reveals himself after hiding within the crowd as a student and rebukes Snape for standing where Dumbledore once stood as headmaster, ordering him to tell the students the truth of how he betrayed and killed Dumbledore as Order of the Phoenix members enter the Great Hall. Snape draws his wand in anger, but Minerva McGonagall steps in to defend Harry. Snape and McGonagall face each other off for a moment, with McDonald relentlessly firing curses at S- that Snape noticeably defa- deflects at the tarot siblings, effectively knocking them out. Snape is then forced to apparate, leaving McDonald behind, declaring him to be a coward. Voldemort then amplifies his voice so everyone inside the castle can hear him and tells them to give Harry up in exchange for their lives. Pansy Parkinson suddenly yells for them to grab him, but Ginny and other members of Dumbledore's army and the Order surround Harry to reassure him that they are on his side. McGonagall orders Argus Filch, or Mr. Filch, to take Parkinson and the other Slytherin students to the dungeons, to which all the other students applaud. While the others stand and fight, McGonagall brings the knight statues of Hogwarts to life to aid them in battle, while Phileas Flitwick, Horace Horace Slothorn, and Molly Weasley cast a shield around the castle. Now, I want to pause for a second because I love the scene. So yeah, McGonagall takes you know cast a spell to make all these statues come to life and surround the school and defend the school and she has this whole big speech like defend our school and then she pauses for a moment and leans into molly she's like i've always wanted to use that spell like it's adorable and badass at the same time oh where was i where was i with no idea where to begin looking for the diadem, Harry decides to start looking in the Ravenclaw common room, but Luna calls him to wait and listen to her. She says that no person alive has seen it, making Harry realize his best hope of finding it is to ask Helena Ravenclaw where the diadem is. Luna is subsequently... Luna subsequently brings him down to where the ghost resides. Helena is reluctant at first to tell Harry where the diadem is, believing that he will use it to sharpen his own wits as well as declaring that Voldemort has already defiled it with dark magic. After Harry is able to convince her that he will only seek it to destroy it, Helena tells Harry that Voldemort has hidden it in the room where everything is hidden. Meanwhile, Ron and Hermione venture down into the Chamber of Secrets, to acquire a basilisk fane so as to get rid of the cup. After Hermione destroys it at Ron's assistance, they are almost killed by a tsunami that forms as a result of the cup's destruction, which is felt by both Voldemort and Harry. However, the waves dissipate and the two finally share a passionate kiss and laugh as their years of mutual attraction have finally uh, finally borne fruit. Yes! We finally see Ron and Hermione you know As a couple, like, they finally... (laughs) Every time, every time I watch this movie, I get to that part and I see Harry, or I see Ron and Hermione kiss. I'm like, finally! (laughs) (laughs) The Death Eaters and Snatchers at this time have arrived and attempt to break down the shield, but are unable to do so. Resulting in three Snatchers disintegrating from running directly into it. Voldemort finally decides to cast a powerful spell to cause the shield to collapse and dissolve, thus beginning the Battle of Hogwarts. However, the amount of power he has used causes the Elder Wand to crack slightly along its length, but doesn't break. Realizing the shield has been dissolved, Stabir and the Snatchers all pursue Neville over the wooden bridge to get into Hogwarts, however... Neville causes the bridge to collapse, effectively killing Skebbier and most of the Snatchers, but managing to save himself after a close shave by grabbing the edge of the bridge. The Death Eaters, Dementors, Giants, and Acromantulas all attack Hogwarts with the students, the student staff, and the Order of the Phoenix. Why am I having trouble with this word? Valiantly fighting back. Harry runs into Ginny and Neville, who is searching for Luna since she since he has feelings for her and this battle may be fatal for either of them. Yeah, so Neville's off to tell Luna that he you know, he likes her, he loves her because he's like, you know, I might die tonight. This might be my last chance to say it. Harry heads to the room of requirement but stops to kiss Ginny. He wants to say that he loves her but she holds his face and whispers that she knew before allowing him to continue with his mission. In the Room of Requirement, Harry finds the diadem in a wooden case that he is able to sense through his connection to Voldemort, but is then confronted by Draco Malfoy, Gregory Doyle, and Blaise Zabini. During the confrontation, Draco asks for his wand back, remarking that his mother's wand is powerful but not the same. Harry senses Draco's reluctance to aid Voldemort and asks why he hesitated to identify Harry to Bellatrix earlier at Malfoy Manor, but before Draco can speak, Ron and Hermione intervene by casting stunning jinxes at Malfoy, although Doyle casts several killing curses at the trio and narrowly misses Hermione before running off with Ron in immediate pursuit for almost cursing his girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah, he chases at the girl and he's like, That's my girlfriend! Doyle casts Fiendfire on the room, and it quickly goes out of control, forcing Ron to run back to (laughs) Harry and Hermione, warning them about the impending danger. "'However, Goyle, due to his inexperience, is unable to stop his wand from conjuring even more flames, hence he resorts, he resorts to tossing his wand away and climbs up a large pile of furniture with Malfoy in Blaze. "'During the climb, Doyle loses his footing by accidentally grabbing a loose chair and falls into the flames, which instantly engulf and kill him. "'His death upsets Malfoy greatly.' But the loss doesn't stop him from reaching the peak of the furniture pile. Meanwhile, the trio desperately try to run from the spreading flames, which take the form of, a vari- of various creatures including a dragon, chimera, and serpent, but wind up trapped between the piles of lost items with the fiend fire emerging from all sides. Ron is able to spot a small stack of brimsticks, which they use to travel above the flames and back to the door. However, as they are escaping, Harry, seeing Malfoy and Blaze desperately trying to avoid falling into the flames and almost slipping to death, deaths, decides to fly back to them and save them. Ron begrudgingly accepts to do the same before threatening to kill Harry if they die trying to save them. The trio are able to save their former rivals just in time and quickly fly out of the entrance to the Room of Requirement with Neonim, which Harry immediately destroys with a basilisk fang that Hermione had in her bag. Ron then kicks the destroyed diadem back into the Burning Room of Requirement just as its doors close, and the Fiendfire forms into three visages of Voldemort charging at the entrance. Voldemort senses the diadem's destruction and is, brief- is briefly overwhelmed and shaken by it. Pious Thickness asks him what is Ron, prompting Voldemort to mercilessly kill him in frustration. After destroying the Diadem, Harry has a vision of Nadini and Voldemort in the boathouse, with Voldemort ordering Lucius to bring him Snape. Uh, okay. The trio run through the devastated castle, avoiding the dark monsters and attacking the Death Eaters as they make their way. Fenrir Greyback is spotted feasting on the dead Lavender Brown's flesh, but Hermione blasts him away from her out of a window over a cliff although they are shot at what they've just seen as Lavender lies dead on the ground. I didn't realize that was Lavender. Oh my god. Ah. Uh, sorry, Wanwan. <laughs> uh, hundreds of de- hundreds of Dementors descend on the castle, but Aberforth, Kinsley, Katie Bell, Ginny, Remilda Vane, Padma, Leanne, and Seamus step in, with Aberforth casting a massive shield-like Patronus charm to repel them. The trio go down to the boathouse, where they hide behind the building and listen to Snape and Voldemort discussing the Elder Wand. Snape tries to convince Voldemort that the Elder Wand is the latter's to command, but Voldemort has had a different theory. He believes that since Snape has killed Dumbledore, the Elder Wand serves him, and not himself. After he bids farewell to Snape as a valued member of the Death Eaters, Voldemort... Slits Snape's throat with Septim Sempra and orders Nadine to finish him off so that he can gain control over the Elder One. Nadine strikes Snape several times as the trio hear and watch in, ter- watch in horror, leaving Snape terribly wounded but not yet dead. Voldemort then departs the boathouse with Nadine and amplifies his voice again, ordering his forces to temporarily retreat to the Forbidden Forest. Harry quietly walks into the boathouse and bends down beside Snape to check his wounds as Ron and Hermione stand nearby watching. Harry cites a tear falling from Snape's eyes, but upon the latter's assistance to take them, Harry realizes they are memories and gets Hermione to hand him a glass vial to contain them. Snape instructs them to take it to the Pensieve. That's what it is! I always forget the name of that thing. The Pensieve. Then whispers for Harry to look at him once more and remarks that he has the same eyes as his mother, Lily Evans, before succumbing to his wounds. That scene always gets me, man. Just right before Snape's last words to Harry are, you have your mother's eyes. It's just Ah uh-huh! So many emotions. Voldemort calls for all combatants to dispose of their dead with dignity and then taunts Harry of how his friends had died trying to protect him. He then warns Harry that if he will not give up his life, he will destroy the castle as well as anyone who stands in his way to fight them. With most of Hogwarts now crumbled and ruined, the trio slowly make their way through the deserted area and find everyone in the Great Hall, mourning the deaths of their friends. Pema Batil and Sybil Trelawney tearfully cover up an unidentified professor's body, while there are others covering up the bodies of those who died in the battle. The trio then go over to the Weasleys, who are all devastated over Fred Weasley's death, with Ron and his mother grieving over Fred's body. Harry then sees that Remus Lupin and Nymphadora Tonks have also died in the battle. Unable to stay there, knowing that they had died because of him, Harry leaves the Great Hall and walks to the Headmaster's office. Like, ah, oh, there's so much death in this movie, like... Lupin dies, Taunts dies, Fred dies. So many. Ah, uh, there's just death. It's just death, death, death. Um, the office is much emptier and gloomer, gloomier than Harry has remembered. But the Pensieve r- reveals itself to Harry, apparently knowing what Harry needs to do. Harry then pours Snape's memories into the Pensieve and lays his face into it. In the Pensieve. Harry sees two young girls in a meadow, one redhead and one brunette, Harry's mother and aunt respectively, so he sees Lily and Petunia. Harry sees that Lily is merely opening a flower's petals with magic, but Petunia calls her a freak and slaps the flower away from her. Then a young Snape comes out from a tree and reveals himself to them, staring Petunia away. From here, Harry sees Snape's life story. Throughout their childhood, Snape and Lily have been good friends, playing around with nearby Flora with their magic. Later on, it is shown that Snape had developed a crush on her. At Hogwarts, Lily is sorted in the Gryffindor and introduced herself to Harry's father, James Potter, and his best friend, Sirius Black, at the Gryffindor table as a disappointed Snape looks on. Snape and Lily remain friends during their time at school, despite the former sorting in the Slytherin, but Harry sees how James and Sirius frequently and relentlessly bullied Snape. Snape's hatred of James only worsened when Lily fell for James in her seventh year and later married him after she slowly drifted apart from Snape. As a young adult Death Eater, Snape has told Voldemort all he has heard of the prophecy about who will destroy him, not knowing Voldemort will target Harry and hence Lily. When Voldemort sets off to kill baby Harry and his parents, Snape turns to Elvis Dumbledore, the only person who can protect Lily, whom Snape had never stopped loving. Snape begged Dumbledore to hide them after telling Voldemort about the prophecy. Dumbledore agrees on the condition that Snape defect from from the Death Eaters, to which Snape complies immediately. Despite Dumbledore's efforts, Wormtail's betrayal gives away the Potter's location of Littlemore, allowing the Dark Lord to murder Harry's parents, but is unable to kill Harry himself. As Snape visits Godric's Hollow that night, he finds Lily dead and breaks down, mortified, cradling Lily's dead body in his arms as baby Harry Potter watches from his crib, crying with his newly inflicted scar. Dumbledore convinces a devastated and distraught Snape to help him protect Harry should Voldemort return so that Lily will not have died in vain, which Snape agrees to only if Dumbledore never tells anyone his true feelings for her. Over the years, Snape remained at Hogwarts and used occlumency to hide his loyalty to Dumbledore from Voldemort and everyone else. Yet he personally personally despises Harry, who served him as a constant physical reminder that Lily had loved the man who bullied him Eventually, Snape grew to hold Harry in some respect and come to care a great deal for Dumbledore as both a friend and mentor. It is revealed that Snape saved Dumbledore's life temporarily from the curse contained in Marvolo Gaunt's ring by containing it in his hand. Despite his efforts, the curse will take effect in about a year. Dumbledore tells Snape that he knows of Draco's orders to kill him and to both spare Draco and gain Voldemort's complete trust. Snape has to be the one to kill Dumbledore while giving him a merciful and painless death. Dumbledore then tells Snape that when the killing curse rebounded off of Harry as an infant, a part of Voldemort's soul broke away and lashed itself into Harry. This meant Harry too is a horcrux, but it was a horcrux that Voldemort never meant to make. Harry had to die in order to kill Voldemort. Snape was supposed to tell Harry this only when all the other Horcruxes are destroyed, but Snape had remained too reluctant. Snape is also shocked and ins- insulted that Dumbledore kept Harry alive all this time just so he- that he could die at the proper moment. Dumbledore had underestimated Snape's devotion to Lily, but this changed when Snape cast his own Patronus, the Silver Dome proving to Dumbledore how much he still loved her and to Harry that it had been Snape who had led him to the sword in the Forest of Dean using his Patronus yeah, I. <clears throat> I might have to do three parts of this Harry, in shock that Snape was always on Dumbledore's side and a large part in fighting against Voldemort all along, now understands Snape's actions and knows what, knows what he has to do to give up his life so that Voldemort can finally be killed. He tells Ron and Hermione that he's going to for, the Forbidden Forest to their shock. Hermione sobbingly insists that Harry let her go with him, but Harry refuses, reminding them that they have to kill Nagini, the only other Horcrux left. After a tearful goodbye, Harry walks to the forest or Harry watches the forest. He digs the golden snitch out from his pocket, and as he tells the snitch, I am ready to die, the inscription on the snitch, I open the clothes, reappears, and the snitch opens up, allowing, ha- allowing Harry to realize what the inscription means. Inside the snitch is the resurrection stone that he uses to call back his parents, Remus, and Sirius. They provide him with emotional support before Harry watches his demise, knowing from Sirius, from Sirius that dying is quicker than falling asleep. As he finishes conversing with his parents, his godfather, and Lupin, and is ready to go on, he drops a stone onto the forest floor to ensure it becomes lost forever. Harry finds Voldemort and the Death Eaters waiting for him in the middle of the forest, having captured Rubius Hagrid, who yells for him to run. Harry stands still and closes his eyes as Voldemort slowly raises the Elder Wand and fires the Killing Curse at Harry. At first, it seems to be over, but Harry wakes up in a marble-white version of King's Cross Station. His glasses have vanished, and so are all the injuries he has suffered. There, he finds a childlike skeletal and bloodied version of Voldemort bent into a fetal position under a seat and groaning in agony, for which he feels both pity and revulsion. The spirit of Albus Dumbledore reveals itself nearby, and tells Harry he cannot help the bloodied creature. Um... You know what, I'm going to end this part here. I'm going to finish telling the story after a little break. Besides, my phone has been blowing up, and I'm going to go figure out why that is. So, I'll be back after this short break. Voldemort's nipple! Okay, sorry everyone. This is going to sound different, because for some reason, from recording on my uh, computer it just, it won't record any more than, like, it only recorded, like, a minute and a half, like, almost two minutes worth of stuff, and then stopped recording, and then when I tried to redo it, it just wouldn't go, so, we're gonna, we're gonna do it on the phone now, so, uh, basically, to, to, like, wrap this up, so, because I guess this episode doesn't want me babbling on and on, uh, you know, Harry is in the, in King's Cross Station, Uh, Dumbledore tells him, like, everything that he needs to know and gives him the option, like... Or Harry's just like, oh, well, Dumbledore tells Harry that, oh, you didn't... Like, you didn't actually die. Uh, Voldemort just killed the Horcrux that was in you. But since you're here, you have two choices. You can either keep on going and walk into the afterlife, or you could go back and uh, finish off Voldemort. And obviously, Harry chooses to go back and uh, finish off Voldemort so he awakens in the forest and he's still on the ground and Voldemort sends uh, Narcissa Malfoy to check if he's dead and Narcissa notices he's alive and whispers to Harry um he's straight alive to which Harry slightly nods you know not giving away anything so then Narcissa turns to Voldemort and lies uh, lies to him and all the Death Eaters that Harry is still alive and so he makes Hagrid carry his body back to Hogwarts and basically gloat in front of everybody that he killed Harry Potter. And he tells everyone, obviously, Jenny is really upset by this. And Voldemort tells everybody there that, you know, now's the time to either join me or die. And uh, Draco steps forward to join his pairs, and everybody's like, really, Draco? Like, you son of a bitch. Now, fun fact about this is that apparently Ralph Fiennes, who plays Voldemort, and Tom Felton, who plays Draco, They had done that scene so many times... And they were trying to figure out different ways... For Voldemort and Draco to interact in this... And there was one take... Where Voldemort kind of awkwardly... Gives director a hug... Which obviously is the one in the movie... So that wasn't scripted... That was just improv by Ralph Fiennes... Which is why it looks very awkward... Because it was just improv... And... uh, Neville steps forward and gives this long speech... That like... You know... Even though many people have died... Like their fighting spirit lives in our hearts... And... He's holding on to the sorting hat, which, you know, all the Death Eaters are laughing at his speech. But then Neville pulls the sword out of the sorting hat, to which then Harry leaps out of Hagrid's arms. And she just shocks everyone that he's still alive. And so, basically, the battle between everyone and the Death Eaters resumes. Uh, we go for it, you know, Harry and Voldemort fighting all over the place. And in the Great Hall, there's a bunch of people fighting. Bella Bellatrix tries to kill Ginny by firing a spell at her, which Jenny deflects. And as Bellatrix is cackling, uh, Molly steps in, pulls Jenny behind her, and she's like, not my daughter, you bitch! So they have a duel, and Molly ends up killing Bellatrix. So then, we go forward, blah blah blah, you know, and Voldemort is still fighting. Meanwhile, Ron and Hermione are trying to kill Nadini. And they end up, up being cornered by Nadini, and just as Nadini is about to kill them, Neville... Just leaps out of nowhere and you know decapitates Nadini, basically killing the last Horcrux. And Voldemort then drops to his knees, and Harry, seeing that he's now vulnerable, goes in for one last curse. And they basically their duel ends. You know Harry, you know, gets the Elder bond from Voldemort, and as Voldemort drops to his knees, he lets out one last you know futile, feeble yell as he's crumbling away. And, you know, the war is finally over. Voldemort's finally defeated. And so, we move on to uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione on the bridge. And they're talking about the Elder Wand, and they find out that, like... Yeah, the Elder Wand wasn't Snape's. It was, it was still Dumbledore's. But because Draco is the one that disarmed Dumbledore, the Elder Wand, technically belonged to Draco. But then Harry di- uh, disarmed Draco... At some point. So then the Elder One is actually now Harry's. And the reason that, like, the ownership of the Elder One didn't go, you know, from Dumbledore to somebody because... Or didn't go to Snape because Snape, you know, Dumbledore's death between him and Snape was all planned. So they're saying, like, oh, well, you have the most powerful one in the world now, Harry. Like, what are you going to do? So he looks at it, snaps it in half, and throws it off a cliff because... He basically says that it's more trouble than it's worth. So then, you know, they just stare off into the distance and have a touching moment. And then we move on. Now, this part I can actually read because I didn't want to reread everything I just read before all my recording screwed up. 19 years later, Harry and Ginny are married with three children. James Sirius Potter, Albus Severus Potter, and Lily Luna Potter. They arrive at Platform 93 Quarters to see Albus and James go off to Hogwarts. They meet up with Ron and Hermione, who also, mar- also married their children, Hudo and Rose Weasley. Draco is also present, married, and with a son who resembles him in many ways, named Scorpius Malfoy. Albus asks his father what will happen if he is sorted in the Slytherin. Harry tells him that if that happens, Slytherin will have gained a wonderful young wizard, although the sorting hat also takes one's wishes into account. Addressing him by his full name, Albus Severus Potter, Harry also reveals to him that Albus Severus is named after the two men who have been headmasters during Harry's year at Hogwarts, and that one of them, Severus Snape, was a Slytherin, and the bravest man Harry has ever known. Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Ginny happily watch as their children depart for school on the Hogwarts Express and make their futures as other, made their futures as other parents and their children wave goodbye to each other. The film ends as the camera zooms into the trio, and we see one of the, we see them one last time. And then the screen slowly fades to black, ending the series and leading into the events of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which I think Harry Potter and the Cursed Child was a Broadway show actually. But that's something I could talk about another time. But yeah, that's the end of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Whoa, boy, was that a ride, and honestly, this is why Deathly Hallows is my top favorite Harry Potter movie, like, there's just, there's so much to it, there's just all kinds of drama, all kinds, like, and basically, after rewatching the whole series, everything leading up to this, it's just, it's phenomenal, it's a great way to end the series, and I absolutely love it, and, uh, obviously, some of my favorite scenes were when, uh, Molly kills Bellatrix. Uh... Even though it's sad... Uh... When Dobby dies... Because it's just so emotional. Um... The whole scene... With Hermione reading the tales of... The three brothers... Or the tale of the three brothers... Uh... What else is my favorite scene? Uh, did I mention? And just any of the dual scenes... Just... It's all... It's all just glorious. I, I absolutely love it. It's just... It's glorious. Um... Is there anything else I want to mention in this? Deleted scenes? Differences between them? Uh, ooh! Mistakes! Let's go over some mistakes before I end this. So, when talking to Aberforth, Harry refers to the Hogwarts Horcarts as the last one, when in actual fact, Nandini is the last Horcarts. That might just be a small small mistake on their part, on the actor's part. Initially, when Harry and Voldemort are reaching for their wands, it can be seen that Harry's wand has no rock immediately surrounding it, but in the next shot, a rock can be seen immediately behind it. Hmm. During the first Room of Requirement scene, after Harry, Ron, and Hermione take the secret passage, which leads to it, the subtitles say it was Neville that said, where is it, when, in fact, it was Dean. When Doyle falls into the fire, Joshua Herbin was replaced by an obvious stuntman who looks nothing like him. I had to rewatch that, because I didn't notice that... Uh, in the epilogue, when Rose hugs Hermione, Rose's left hand is on Hermione's back under her right shoulder. But in the next shot, before Ron says "Here they come," Rose's left hand is on Hermione's right arm. So just cut error here. But uh, yeah, that was quite the ride. Um, I'm if you stuck with me this long, I'm sorry this is a long ass episode. But if you stuck with me this long, I'm I, I'm glad. Like I'm honestly, like it means so much to me. anybody who listens who actually listens to me and is willing to listen to me babble for an hour probably at this point but yeah that's the whole harry potter series uh like i said i'll definitely talk about like fantastic peace and maybe even harry potter and the cursed child at some point but as for now my saturday episodes i'm gonna be talking about some other stuff for a little while because i've we've heard enough harry potter for, (laughs) for now so yeah that's Harry. That's the whole Harry Potter series for you. Um, if you missed an episode or this is the first time you're seeing this, uh, I recommend going back and listening to the other episodes. Uh, hopefully, this one went a uh, way better than those ones. But if you want to let me know what you guys think of the Harry Potter series, or if you want to give me suggestions for anything to do with this podcast, uh, let me know. My social medias: Instagram SuperCam64, Twitter SuperCam64. Uh, TikTok, SuperTam64, uh, YouTube, if you feel like it, Tam 64 I upload there sometimes. Uh, also, as, as always, in the description of this podcast will be a link to send me a voice message through Anchor to, uh, I think you, it's like 30 seconds and you can just be like, Hey, like, I think you should talk about this, or I enjoyed when you did this, or you suck, <laughs> something like that. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for me. As always, you know, you tune in here every Wednesday for whatever the show I talk about, whatever. Tune in every Wednesday for whatever news. Uh, I've been your host, Cameron. I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, happy Easter. If you're reading this, if you listen to this before on Easter or... You know, if you listen to this before Easter, happy Easter. If you listen to this after Easter, you know, happy whatever day you're listening to this on. But, yeah i Cameron, as always, yeah. I love you all. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a great time.